Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to Sports Time Machine here on the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. I'm Anna Kagaraikis, and each week we head down memory lane as I take you back in time and we remember some of the greatest moments in sports history. Leave your flux capacitor at home. All you need to do is subscribe to the show on iTunes or any of your other favorite directories like Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. Now, it was this week in history on August 21st, 2008, that the U.S. women's national team took home the gold in soccer, or rather football, at the Olympics in Beijing. An improbable win that brought the U.S. team their third gold medal in four Olympic Games. Now today I'll be bringing on a unique guest, not to talk about the game, but rather to share her dedication to the sport and what it's like to put her heart and soul into something she loves and whether or not at a young age she has seen a discrepancy between the men and women who play soccer. But first... Let's head back in time to Beijing at the 2008 Olympic Games. What may have been the first time in the U.S. women's soccer team history the team was expected to lose in the Olympic final. The USA was facing Brazil, who crushed them 11 months earlier in the World Cup semifinals 4-0. That was also the same game where head coach Greg Ryan made the controversial decision to bench goalkeeper Hope Solo in favor of veteran Brianna Scurry. And Solo was pretty candid about that decision after the loss. It was the wrong decision, and I think anybody that knows anything about the game knows that. There's no doubt in my mind I would have made those saves. And the fact of the matter is, it's not 2004 anymore. It's not 2004. And it's 2007, and I think you have to, you have to live in the present, and you can't live by big names. You can't live in the past. It doesn't matter what somebody did in an Olympic gold medal game in the Olympics three years ago. Now is what matters, and that's what I think. Now, Brazil was dominant in that match. Had Hope Solo been in, the score could have been closer. But in the end, the U.S. never had been beaten so badly. So Coach Ryan was let go. And U.S. soccer brought in Swede Pia Sundhage. It was a struggle to win their group. The team lost their scoring threat Abby Wambach to a broken leg and top defender Kat Whitehill to a knee injury, all before heading to China. The Brazilians were runner-ups to the U.S. in Athens four years prior and lost to Germany in the World Cup final. So Brazil was on a mission. But the United States wouldn't go down without a fight. USA met Brazil in the 2008 Olympic final. The United States barely threatened until late in the second half. The South Americans dominated most of the game, but the U.S. defense held. And now I take you back to August 21st, 2008. In extra time at the gold medal match in the Olympics, here's sound from the past. Touchdown, the spin. Oh, Rodriguez couldn't get through. Lloyd steps up. Fabiana, look at that move. She didn't draw the foul. It's sent inside. Christiane, wide. It is over. Gold medal winners are the United States. They successfully defend their title. It wasn't easy. 
sound courtesy of Team USA. Now, Carly Lloyd scored the game-winning goal in the 96th minute, and the USA collected their third Olympic gold medal. The other two titles were won at the 2004 Olympic Games in Athens and the 1996 Games in Atlanta, while Brazil fell at their third major competition in a row. The U.S. women continue to dominate. In the 2012 Summer Olympics, the U.S. won the gold medal for the fourth time in five Olympics by defeating Japan 2-1 at Wembley Stadium. That year marked the first time the U.S. women's national team won every game en route to the gold medal. The team also set a women's record of 16 goals scored. In 2015, the team beat Japan in the final at the World Cup. At the 2019 FIFA Women's World Cup, USA started their campaign with a bang with a 13-0 victory against Thailand, a new Women's World Cup record. In the final, they beat the Netherlands 2-0, becoming the first team in history to win four Women's World Cup titles. The women's national team began this year by winning the 2020 Women's Olympic Qualifying Tournament, both the 2020 Games being postponed until 2021 because of the pandemic. Their quest for gold? We'll have to wait a year. Despite their domination over competition over numerous years, the U.S. women's national team still fought for equality. When you look at discrepancy in pay for the sport in general, in 2017, one of the top male players, Lionel Messi, had an annual salary and bonuses that equated to $84 million, while 1,693 women in the top seven women's football leagues around the globe combined for just $42.6 million. Now bringing it to a more local level, the U.S. women took home their fourth World Cup title and second in a row in 2019, while the U.S. men's team didn't even qualify for the last men's World Cup. The Wall Street Journal reported that the women's soccer games have been out-earning the men's. Sales of U.S. women's national team jerseys are higher than the men's, and viewership of the previous World Cup had been really high. It's no wonder that the women decided to not only fight for equal pay, but also equal treatment. Players on the U.S. women's national team have waged a legal battle with the United States Soccer Federation over gender discrimination. In 2016, five players filed a wage discrimination action against the U.S. Soccer Federation with the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission. One year later, a new collective bargaining agreement with U.S. Soccer had been made. The agreement stated that the players would have an increased base pay and improved match bonuses. March 2019, all 28 members of the U.S. team filed a gender discrimination lawsuit against the United States Soccer Federation, accusing the Federation of institutional gender discrimination, claiming that discrimination affects not only the amount the players are paid, but also their playing, training, and travel conditions. When budgets need to be cut, the funding for developmental leagues for girls tend to be cut before the boys. So how can we change this for the future? Give women support not only at the professional level, but also at a young age to help them in their development. Give them the confidence and attention they also deserve. Boys and girls can both be dedicated to their craft. It doesn't matter what sex you are. What matters is how much you commit yourself to the game. How hard did some of these players work at a young age? What is it that brought them to an elite level and helped them stand out from the crowd? I've covered sports at all levels, professional, collegiate, high school, and one thing's for sure, it's not hard to spot the most talented athlete at any level. 
I understand that there are some physical differences between the top men and women in their respective sports. The highest level of men cannot always be compared to the highest level of women, but it's the coverage and the attention that women are looking to gain. The NBA has done a tremendous job lately. They're pushing the WNBA brand and getting more support for female athletes. You see top NBA stars at WNBA games, supporting them on social media. This needs to be done across all sports and all levels. So today, I decided to bring on a very special guest. I think it's important to recognize young athletes who work incredibly hard starting at a very young age, not only for their sport, but in every aspect of their life. Demi is a young soccer player, just entering her teenage years. She started playing the sport for fun at a young age and right away was noted as a player to watch. I've seen her play firsthand because, well, she's my niece. But as someone who's covered sports for 15 years, I'm here to tell you that this young girl is going places. She is legit. And I wanted to give her a platform to talk about her passion for the game, how she's developed as a young female athlete in soccer, and if there's a change in how boys and girls are treated and supported. Plus, you'll want to hear more about the Girls Academy League and how they're getting the world ready for rising female stars. So here's my chat with Demi. Rhodes? Where we're going, we don't need Rhodes. All right, I'm really excited to bring on this next guest because she's someone that's really important to me and happens to be my niece. She has moved up incredibly quickly in club soccer, been part of the Developmental Academy, and is now part of the Girls Academy League, which we'll get into more in a little bit. But for now, let's welcome on Demi. Demi, thank you so much for coming on the show. Yeah, of course. Well, you know, I'm excited to have you on here because I know how dedicated you are to the sport of soccer. And how much you love it. So how long have you been playing soccer? Um, I've actually been playing since I was in kindergarten. But I joined club in third grade. And what do you love about playing soccer? Well, I love it because it's competition. And I get really competitive. But I'm also working with a team that's thriving for just one goal altogether. And what's that goal? Either scoring or winning. Nice. (laughs) that's it that's your goal you got to get out there and win right yeah you first started out playing in local city rec leagues then you moved up to club soccer Uh, you joined a local soccer club which streamlined girls to the U.S. national team in colleges what was that experience like for you well I was originally gonna go to the club magic Mm -hmm. when um, I was but I tried out for both of them but I weighed the pros and cons, and the reason I wanted to do magic was because all my friends went there. But the second I tried out for La Miranda, I knew I wanted to go there because it was actually a challenge, and I enjoy it. Yeah, that's interesting. A lot of kids, especially younger, would prefer to actually go where their friends were going because it's more comfortable for them. But you really wanted to push yourself. What about the pressure? Did you feel any pressure when you joined an elite group like that? Did you know you welcome obviously challenges? So did you welcome that challenge? Yeah, of course I welcomed it, but everyone's got to be nervous on like their first day or week at any club. But I originally wasn't on the best team for my age group. I was on the B team, people would say. Okay. And but I still 
loved playing there because it did make me better and it prepared me for the next year when I did join the A team. Okay. Now, obviously, at 12 years old, you had actually moved up to a group that played a year up, which meant that you were playing with girls who were about 14, 15 years old. What were you feeling? What were you thinking the first time you went out and played with girls who were two to three years older than you? I was really nervous, but like five or 10 minutes into the game, I realized I'm just as good as these girls. I can compete just as good. So I went out there, did my best, and I actually think that I was able to stay with them. I'm going to tell you, I remember the first time seeing you because I got to see you out there as one of your early games when you joined that club. And I remember you being nervous about joining that club. But you were always so confident in your abilities. It's like when you get on the field, do you, you know, how do they say it? They, you put your blinders on. You just kind of get into a mode or rhythm when you're out on that field. Yeah. I mean, before the game, every time I'm really nervous. But once I actually start playing, all those thoughts just leave my head. And I'm only focused on the task at hand, which is winning. Well, obviously, you did really well because you were respected by your teammates and you were actually made a team captain. So how do you help lead others who are older than you? And what have you done to gain their respect? Well, obviously, I really respect all of my teammates and I try to let them do their role on the field as well as they can and believe me they do all that I do is point them in the right direction and give them a little push well you've done a great job there now U.S. soccer had announced the closure of the developmental academy that was the club that you were a part of now the top clubs had formed what is called the girls academy league what is the GA and what's your role the GA is basically a new platform where girls can play and have competitions But my role is the team representative, and basically I go to all the meetings with the GA advisory board, and I take notes and take those notes to my teammates who then give me their thoughts, and then I go back to the next meeting and tell the board what their ideas are. That's great. So what what have you learned from that? Well, I've definitely learned how to be a better leader, how to listen to my teammates better, and how it's not just my ideas. I don't take credit for them. They do all the way. That's fantastic. Now, let's talk about your training regimen. What's your regimen like? Well, my schedule has always been at least four days a week, and sometimes, like last summer, I would practice six times a week, which would be twice on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Now, with everything, obviously, with COVID right now, it's obviously changed what it's been like for you not being able to play games right now. What was your schedule? We hear what your schedule was like before COVID. What's it been like after COVID? It has definitely decreased, but we're still trying to stay the same. The only difference is we have to show up with a mask leave with a mask, keep it with us at all times for whenever we get at least six feet close to each other. So how do you balance school, sports, and extracurricular activities? Your dad had told me you're getting straight A's, you do really well in school, so how do you balance everything? 
Well, obviously, I don't have soccer during school, so every minute of school, I'm always focused and on task. And luckily for me, not all the time is my practice right after school. So I have time, but I do go home as quick as I can, try to get all my homework done, go to soccer, come home, finish my homework, and then go to bed. It's not a lot that I can do after school, but I do whatever I can. Yeah, that's why I'm a big advocate of getting kids involved in some kind of sport or some kind of organized activity. You know, you're so dedicated to something, you're so focused on something, it actually trickles down to every aspect of your life. So I'm really proud of what you've done. But what are your goals now for the future? Well, right now, since we have just joined a new league, my first goal is to eventually become the club representative, which is basically the team rep, but for the entire club. So that would be amazing. But even after that, I can become the region representative which means I represent the northwestern region of the GA, which I think is a really cool. And I can't try to be the club representative yet because I'm too young, mm-hmm. but I think next year I can. How did they choose a club representative? So you get an email. Like when I found out my coach wanted me to be the team representative, I got an email saying, you've been recommended for the team representative and I had to fill out a whole form talking about like yes I have good grades yes I'm dedicated to soccer and everything like that but eventually the head of the club picks it for everybody so they would even pick it for the club representative. So now let's talk long-term future. You've got high school coming up. You've got college down the road in the future. Do you see yourself playing, you know, there and then maybe the Olympics one day? That would be amazing. And now that we have joined the GA, they're allowing us to play high school soccer. Great. So I can play for both La Miranda and for my high school, which would mean extra exposure and more of a chance to be asked to play in college, which I think would be great and an even closer step to being like known for what I'm doing. Who are some of your favorite stars of the game? Who do you look up to? Well, there are a lot. Like As a defender, I really enjoy watching Crystal Dunn, and I love watching Alex Morgan and Megan Rapinoe play. Those are two of my favorites. It has to be Megan Rapinoe because in the FIFA Women's World Cup last year, she won the Golden Boot and she was a team captain. She scored the most goals in the World Cup mm-hmm. and she was probably the main reason why they won. Now, do you think there's a difference in support for girls versus boy leagues? Have you set, seen any of that already at your age? Well, all the time I hear my coach telling me the boys practice like this, blah, blah, blah. But we, some girls, still go to the boys' training, still practice with them. I mean, there's definitely some kind of gender discrimination, definitely. But we're closing the gap faster and faster between women and men. And I think there will always be a difference in the support. But... I think women are getting there quicker. 
I could imagine you on the field. Do, is there any time that you've gone up and said, you know, what, I'm going to go against this guy here. Let's see how we could do one-on-one. -on -one. Have you ever done that? Well, I mean, as a defender, I don't really get to dribble with the ball as much. It's more blocking goals, tackling right. people. But when I do get the ball, I do try to show off what I can do in the less showboaty way as possible. <laughs> do you have a move? you have like a favorite little signature move that you do? Well, it's a simple move, but I like to just fake one way, go the other. Like I can move my whole body to one side and just tap it the other way. So great. You know, you talked about being a defender. What do you want people to know about defenders? It seems like they really don't get enough credit. I think that as a defender, forwards get more recognition for what they do. I think people think that they're the reason why we win games because they score the goals and everything. But if defense wasn't there to block the other team from scoring, there would never be a chance. Yeah, because you're right. That's a huge part of the game. I was watching, um, I was re-watching the women's game in Beijing, which is what this episode is about. And it wasn't until the 96th minute that the U.S. scored. You just think about all the defense, obviously, in that game and how important that was. Because if Brazil had scored just one goal in regulation, there was no way the U.S. would have won. So, yeah. hey, they say defense wins championships. Well, Demi, you are amazing. I've seen you play on the field. You are a star on the field, and I know that you're going to be going places down the road. Thank you so much for coming on today and talking about why you love soccer. And I'm going to be there front row when you're in the Olympics one day. I'm calling it right now. Thank I know you. you're a hum you're a humble girl. So don't worry. Don't worry. I'm going to speak for you on that one. So, yes, I will see you there. So thank you so much, Demi, for coming on the show. Thank you so much. A big thank you to Demi for joining me today. I'm telling you, that girl is going to do some big things. Whether it's on the soccer pitch or something else in life, she will succeed in whatever she decides to do. But I am calling it. I will be watching her out there at the Olympics one day. I guarantee it. You know, I love how the Girls Academy League gives these young players responsibility and a voice on their own teams and in the league itself. We need strong leaders for the future, men and women. Now, as much as we love to win, what makes a great leader is someone who can get back up after falling in defeat, having good sportsmanship, and helping your teammates when they're down. You learn from mistakes and you grow. You can always get better. Now, almost always, there'll be someone there who is better than you. And if not... There's going to be someone right behind you, ready to take your spot. So keep pushing yourself to improve. Now, if you'd like to learn more about the Girls Academy League, just check out their website, girlsacademyleague.com. Now, while the U.S. women's national team won gold on August 21st, 2008, there are some other interesting events that happened on August 21st in history. In 1942, Walt Disney released the film Bambi, which honestly has to be on the list of the saddest movies ever. That and Old Yeller. And get this. In 2015, a message in a bottle was discovered in Amram, Germany. It was put out to sea in the North Sea 108 years before its discovery by the UK Marine Biological Association. Inside was a postcard that promised a shilling to anyone who returned it to the association. There were some 1,000 bottles released as part of the research, but that one made its way on shore. So what's a note that you would send in a bottle? Maybe get discovered a century later. 
give me the most creative by reaching out on Twitter at Anna Kagraikis, that's K-A-G-A-R-A-K-I-S, or by using the hashtag Sports Time Machine. Well, that will do it for today. Thank you again for listening to Sports Time Machine. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe and rate Sports Time Machine on iTunes. We're available on all your favorite directories, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. And you can also find the show at Believe.com and at Believe Podcasts. And don't forget to follow me on Twitter at Anna Kagarikis and on Instagram at Anna Kags. If you're interested in advertising on the show, please contact Believe at Believe.com. Well, time flies when you're having fun. Thanks for heading down memory lane with me. I'm Anna Kagarikis, and we'll talk soon. But when I do get the ball, I do try to show off what I can do in the less showboaty way as possible. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.